Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today we have on writer, speaker, researcher, certified sex educator, and mental health advocate, Joellen Naughty. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Not many people ask me that, so I do appreciate it. <laughs> Let's start off with this. What does mental health mean to you? Oh, goodness. Um, so I feel like for a long time it meant something like we didn't talk about because mine was totally cool and how dare you ask. But um, <laughs> now I tend to see it as something we are all wrestling with all the time. And I think a big problem with our world is that it's set to recognize like everybody's doing awesome as the mental health default. And I think maybe no one's doing awesome. So, yeah. So it is something I think we should all be dealing with and frankly talking about all the time. That's why you're the mental health advocate. I actually love it. But you're also Joella Nati. But who is the redhead bedhead? The redhead bedhead is my, uh, my, well, my blog name, and also it was for a very brief time when I tried to be anonymous, my alter ego. Um, and that was, uh, so 10 years ago in 2012, I launched a website where I wrote about sex and learned about sex and taught about sex and, and tried all these different, like, like what was my persona going to be that talked about these things. And um, eventually, because I have kind of a lifelong struggle with depression, it turned into talking about, as I say now, sex, mental health, and how none of us are broken. That's very interesting. As a sex educator, how does sex correlate with mental health? Uh, Well, they're both topics that people think should function fine without anybody talking about them ever. And um, things that people get super uncomfortable about, but want to have like excellent versions of, right? So like we all want to be having this great sex and we all want to be mentally healthy and whatever, but we think that should happen with no talking and no worrying and that should just be how it is. And unfortunately, that's not the case for either of those things. It is very true. Why is talking about sex so awkward and uncomfortable for people, you think? Oof, I think um, so many reasons. <laughs> I think it's so loaded with there's so much judgment. Um, and that even varies between cultures and religions and whatever. And for a lot of us, it was just like a topic you don't talk about. And the state of sex education in schools is appalling. So many people, their sex education was like, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Yeah. And so I think it's it's such a hard shift to have people go from an upbringing where it's a, a, like a no-no topic and it's a bad thing. My, hell, my mother, God rest her soul, my mother at one point when I was like 14, a friend talked about how she had put her daughter on birth control. And my mother turned to me at the dinner table and said, I would sew you shut first. And so that was like kind of the the upbringing I had around sex. And I think a lot of people had similar ones. And then you become an adult. And you're expected to just kind of have functional, healthy, happy sex. And those two things don't really go together very well. The sex education in high school is like watching the birthing video and like putting a condom on a banana. And that was like pretty much all it was. You know, it's weird. I went to a small private all-girls Catholic school 
And I don't remember sex education beyond this day when we got this stapled together copy of like set of ditto sheets. If you, if you remember ditto sheets, um, and they were all like drawings of different forms of birth control. Like that's how I learned what a cervical cap was and, and all of these things. Did you have to and follow I, them in? No, but it would have been so much more fun if we did. And I remember coming away not really understanding a lot of the things. Like I remember the sponge was in there and none of us got how it worked or what you did with it. But we had this handout that told us it existed. It's how we procreate. And it's very awkward to talk about. Like it's just, it is like a normal human instinct. And we're just like, nope, don't even nope. bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> how important is sex for a healthy relationship? You know, I think that depends on the relationship. Because there are, um, and this comes up a lot talking about depression, like you'll have couples where no one is super interested in sex right now, but they feel all this pressure, like, but we're supposed to, to have a healthy relationship. And I think more important than like sex in general is being on the same page about sex, right? So we'll have couples where there's like a, a interest in balance, right? One person wants sex all the time and the other person could take or leave it. Right. But nobody wants to talk about it. So they're just getting angry at each other. And <laughs> I think more important than how much sex you have or the kind of sex you have is that you're communicating about the state of sex in your relationship. What made you want to get into the sex education? Uh, I got out of a sexless marriage in 2011 and uh, I had been kind of drifting for a couple of years professionally. I was like teaching yoga because that's what basic girls did in the early 2000s. And I kind of thought I wanted to write, but I didn't know what. And I didn't know. And then one day I had this like epiphany. I was out eating frozen yogurt with a friend and we were talking about our sex lives and people were dating and whatever. And I got up and I said, well, I'd love to sit here and talk about sex with you all night, but I have to go get ready for work in the morning. And the next morning it like dawned on me that maybe I could talk about sex all the time. And that was, that was uh, July 3rd, 2012. And I scrapped my July 4th plans and stayed home and built a website. That's awesome. How did you get yeah. out of that an uh, anonymous side? And you were just like, you know what, I'm just going to put myself out there. Yeah, it was, you know, I tried to be anonymous for literally like two months and it was, I felt like, I don't know. I felt like a lot of my life at that point had been about kind of compromising and, and hiding parts of myself. And I, I thought like, I, I don't want to do that anymore. And at that point I was 33 and I said, you know what? I don't think this is going to wreck the like government job I eventually want to get because I don't want to do that. And I'm already in my thirties. And so let's go public as someone who talks about sex. And I'm really happy I did because now that I'm, now that I'm an author and I have books out there, I have so many friends who like wrapped themselves in multiple layers of anonymity. And now they have these books out under their pen names and they, you know, wish they had a book with their real name on it. And I do because Apparently, I refuse to shut up about <laughs> what I want to talk about and who I am. <laughs> it's kind of funny, too, because it's so awkward to talk about sex. So being somebody that doesn't give their information or their name about it's kind of funny because they're yeah. like, I don't want to talk about it. I'll talk about it, but I don't want you to know who I am. But it's I, I commend you for coming out and talking about it. I have a um, – me and my friend uh, Epiphora, who's a, a sex writer, talks about toys a lot and stuff. Um, we have a, like, how to be a sex blogger class. And – 
a huge amount of that class often gets eaten up talking about like how to be how to maintain all the anonymity in the world. And, you know, and we walk them through it and we help them out. But I do eventually say to my students, like, if you really believe everything in your life will come to a grinding halt, if anybody finds out you talk about sex, maybe you don't want to be a sex blogger because like the, I feel like the, the, the amount of having to hide yourself, especially if you're trying to build this as your career, it's just, I think they're incompatible eventually you need to show your face. A lot of people have sexless marriages and yes. that can lead to depression. Any tips to help a partner who is depressed or any tips to help a sexless marriage? Oof. So uh, my tips for almost anything ever <laughs> are talk about it, right? So I think in a lot of sexless marriages, sex becomes this hot button issue and you start avoiding it. And you, and, you know, cause everybody gets angry when you talk about it and people resent each other. And, I think um, if if one or both of you is dealing with depression, communicate openly about that. Communicate about where you're at with sex. Um, okay, so I, I have a book. It's called The Monster Under the Bed, and it's about navigating kind of depression in relationships and sexual function. And one of the big things I talk about in that is, um, you know, every year or so, somebody writes an article for like, you know, I don't know, allure or something where it's about like sex and depression. And they say, you know what, just do it, just do it. Cause you'll remember you like sex and sex is good. And, what, and that's the worst advice ever um, because it builds into that, like that uh, resentment and that, you know, when you're dealing with depression and when you're having anxiety about sex and you make yourself just do it cause you might like it, you've also might not like it. And then you'll just feel worse about all of those things. So I say make conscious decisions about sex, right? Don't shove it in a corner. Think about it a little bit every day. Check in. How am I feeling about sex? And then you can say to your partner, today, sex feels like a totally foreign thing I don't want to deal with. Or you can say, you know what? Today, sex actually sounds good, but God, the idea of getting up and taking off my pants and having to put them back on later. Oh my God, it's overwhelming. And then you can work from there. But it keeps sex in the conversation in a way that's not full of pressure. It's not full of, well, when are we going to have it? It's going to happen now. But everybody gets to know what's going on with sex. What's a good way to spice up sex in the bedroom? Oh, um, <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of toys. Um, I know that is not everybody's thing, though. So there are so many different options out there. And one of my favorite things to offer people is uh, making a yes, no, maybe list. And there are there are templates like there are lists that exist online. You can go print one out and you sit down and you look at all the activities on them. And, you know, each of you has your own copy and you circle yes or no, or maybe, or whatever. And then you can compare. And so you can say, well, you know, I'm a maybe on clown sex and you're super into clown sex. So maybe we look at clown sex and <laughs> that way it's, um, again, I think people don't ever, people don't want to talk about sex. And so they'll think like, God, I wish my partner would peg me and their partner has no idea and doesn't know what pegging is. And, and nobody's ever brought it up. And, and so, something like a yes, no, maybe list gives you like a door into different ideas. It's like I a also, menu. Exactly. It's like, yeah. um, like, especially like a sushi place menu, right? Like where you can fill it out. And you can, yep. I used to love recommending 
Tumblr porn to people, but then Tumblr got rid of all of its porn. Yeah. But I liked it because, and there, there's similar things on the internet. You can send your partner, like internet porn is like Pinterest for sex, right? So you pick out things and you get excited to try them and it might not look anything like the thing you saw online, but like you had fun trying. So I think um, using the internet as like your sexual communication wingman can be really successful. Is there a certain product that you would recommend people to buy? Oh my goodness. So it's a general category, but I think everybody should have tons of lube all the time, right? People love to tell sex educators, oh, I don't need lube. My partner doesn't need lube, whatever. It makes everything feel better. I keep a veritable lube buffet on my nightstand because like, you know, oil-based stuff feels great for hand things and, and a nice thick Water-based lube can feel good because it's like cushiony, but a silicone lube will last forever. And it, it just get lube, get lots of it, play with it. It's fun. You said you, you deal with your own mental health issues. What are some issues you deal with and how do you take care of yourself? Um, so I have been dealing with depression pretty much most of my life. Um, I was officially diagnosed for the first time when I was 20, but I rejected that diagnosis. And so I've been actively dealing with it since I was about 25. Um, the most recent kind of big thing I did to take care of myself was I moved across the country. I was living in Portland, Oregon. I was having a really hard time getting um, adequate care or care at all. Um, and I moved back to New Jersey where my family is and where the level of care I've gotten has increased. And I think the, the biggest thing I've done is I've learned not, uh, I feel like this, this sounds cynical, but I, I've learned not to rely on doctors to come up with the, the answer. So I look around and I find like, I just finished a round of something called transcranial magnetic stimulation that I learned about on the internet and you know, it's a alternative, but it gives me things to try and I can run them by a doctor and say, what do you think? And in fact, my psychiatrist was like, yes, go do the transcranial magnetic stimulation. And so I think, unfortunately, um, one of the big things I do to take care of my mental health is I treat it like it's my job and I work at it all the time. That's good. I like that a lot. I like how you can like search anything on the internet for ideas. You can search up porn for ideas and you can search yep. up things to help you for mental health. That's what, that's what's great about the internet. Weirdly. I, I learned about this, this treatment um, in, in 2020. It's, I've actually done it a couple of times, but horrible things keep happening in my life right after it. So this time is the time we're crossing our fingers that nobody has died and we're, you know, like we can maybe move forward with it. But the first time I learned about it, was I had done an interview that was getting a lot of attention online. And my boyfriend called and said, I know you don't ever go on Facebook anymore, but go on Facebook because our friends are talking about this interview. And I go on Facebook and there's the post with the interview. And right below it is an advertisement for like drug-free effective depression treatment. And I was like, really? Tell me more. And yeah, so that's how the internet advertised depression treatment to me. <laughs> I always say that sex should be fun and sometimes it can be funny. Do you have any funny sex stories either with you or somebody that you heard about anything like that? Oh goodness. Oh goodness. How do I pick one? Okay. So a couple of years ago, there was this product called the Scroguard, 
And it looked ridiculous, but it was a decent idea. And what it was, was it, it was like, if you had a penis, you were meant to wear it like briefs. And then there was a hole for the penis and you put a condom on that. And basically the idea was it covered more skin than, um, you know, a traditional condom and it covered areas that were exposed to um, like HPV and, and herpes more than, you know, we think they are, right? Because a lot of that stuff is skin to skin contact. So we just, my partner and I decide we're going to try the scro guard. And he takes the scro guard out and it is, it is very beige, it is aggressively beige. And he puts this thing on and he's starting to look uh, like, like a doll that was made out of different parts of other dolls. Right. And uh, so then we decide to get out a condom and we just grab one randomly and it turns out it's purple. And so now the whole thing is getting more and more ridiculous. And, and so we're trying to, I'm trying to test this product so I can write about it. And <laughs> so he's multiple colors now and we, we go to try it and we can't stop laughing long enough to like functionally have sex. So I end up writing this whole like very prosaic piece about the idea behind this product and whatever, because honestly, in the end, I, I think we stopped trying to have sex after a while because we just couldn't make it happen while he was purple and beige. And yeah, it was right. Yeah. Grimace penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me about the book a little bit. Monsters under the bed. What can people expect with that book? So that book, I, I love to tell people that book completely changed what it was based on the wonderful people who showed up to do interviews with me. Cause I thought I was writing a book where I would say, you know, depression and its treatment can impact our sexual function. And this isn't just happening to you. It's happening to a lot of people. And the first half of the book does say that the second half of the book turned into here are ways you can navigate this. Here are ways people have learned work or don't work. Here are things you can try. So if you or your partner has depression, you can pick up this book, read the first half to kind of learn some of the issues people are having. And then the second half, you get to like, that's where we talk about the communication hacks. It's where we talk about um, if your medications are causing sexual side effects. I actually have workarounds for that. Like if you can't have an orgasm, try these giant massage, uh, you know, like the, the Hitachi magic wand type massage things, yep. because for a lot of people that can get you past that. So what I love about monster is that it's not just here's the problems it's here's the problems and here are solutions you can try and see if they work for you. And where can people get that book? Literally anywhere books are sold. Actually, that's a lie because nobody <laughs> carries it in their store. Um, everybody carries it on their website. So, um, bookshop.org is one of my favorite places for people to buy because it supports indie bookstores, but you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Nice. Um, yeah, it's all over the place. And where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at redheadbedhead.com or, um, just my full name, Joellen Nadi on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think those are the only ones I'm on because I'm, I'm too old for some of the other ones. <laughs> I hear you. TikTok, you're not on TikTok. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so people, for a while, people were talking about TikTok and I was like, the Kesha song? Oh, I, like, I love Kesha. I'm a big Kesha guy. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I drove down to DC to go see Kesha. Like, and I'm, oh. I live in Boston. So it was, yeah. uh, I was 
I was in. <laughs> I was living in Boston when TikTok by Kesha was a, was the the song. Yeah. We were meant to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Out of everything you've done in life, what are you most proud of? Oh. Oh, that's um so it's it's funny because depression makes me um makes my brain not let me be proud of literally anything. Um, but I mm-hmm. think I think uh my my career as it is right now because it's been hard and it's been scary and it's not at all what I thought I was going to do. Right. I thought I was going to have this fun, sexy career where I talked about sex and whatever. And instead I've turned into the, like all the feelings, mental health lady, but I'm, I'm proud of that because I feel like I've become the writer I needed to read when I was younger, but I didn't exist yet. So I love it. And we were just talking about music. I love asking people this question. What is your personal theme song? Like you came out, like say you were like a professional wrestler boxer. You came out to the ring. Joel and Naughty, what song is playing? Um, Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Here I go again. I like that. That's a great thing. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I used to live around the corner from uh, a Planned Parenthood in Boston. And so you'd have to walk through all the protesters and stuff. And they would like follow you into the supermarket. It was crazy. And I learned that that song was hands down the best thing to blast in your headphones while you were trying to get through that crowd. So I use it whenever I'm nervous walking in anywhere. Like it's yeah. It just takes over your body. That's why music's a great, powerful like source to use, even for your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. What are th- three things that you're grateful for today? Oh, uh, my dog Grover, who has not barked, even though he's been next to me <laughs> this whole great. time. I'm very proud of him. Um, my family, because moving to be near them has been a huge game changer. Um, and frankly, the, it's going to sound weird to say, but the internet. Right. So my career could not have happened 30 years ago. My career really grew on Twitter and um, I have readers because of social media and it would have been a whole different game if I tried to do this in the eighties. So for me, the internet's got a lot of drawbacks, but it has given me the life I have now. And I appreciate that. The redhead bedhead, Joe Ellen Naughty. I really appreciate you coming on. I thought I, I did really good this interview. I thought I was gonna be sweating talking about sex, but you made it so comfortable and awesome that I really enjoyed this interview. That is uh that is my thing, right? <laughs> Just yeah. making things comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's another episode of 2010 Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile, and I'll see you guys soon. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.